This week, I'm joined at the table by Gino and Julia Barbaro to talk about what it means to really live a life keeping service at the center. We talk about what it means to seek to serve for the next 100 years, how that changes the way you think about your business and the legacy you want to create. What does that do in your day-to-day when you're really just thinking about the impact 100 years from now? Gino and Julia have successfully raised six children, uh, as well as a handful of businesses, into quite an empire. It was a privilege to sit down and pick their brains and hear them out about what it means to live a life with family, faith, and your values at the center of all you do. You're going to love this one. Take a seat at the table next to me, Robin Ivey, and some of today's most meaningful thought leaders, mentors, and spiritual guides, and even some people like you and I, as we discuss their extraordinary lives and adventures in being human. Enjoy this week's episode. My guests today are Gino and Julia Barbero. Gino and Julia are the proud parents of six children, ranging in ages from 6 to 21 years old. We could stop right there and that would probably be enough. Gino is the co-founder of Jake and Gino, a real estate education company that teaches individuals to become multifamily entrepreneurs. He is the best-selling author of two books, Wheelbarrow Profits and Family Food and the Friars, and is an investor, business owner, and lifelong entrepreneur. Julie is a stay-at-home mom who homeschools their six children, a sought-after life and marriage coach, and co-host with Gino of their podcast, The Multifamily Zone on the Jake and Gino channel which focuses on spousal relationships and creating a happy and healthy home for the family. Thank wow. you guys for being here. Welcome. Oh, Robin, thank you for having me. And us. you said you had problems with the introductions. You oh, nailed that, that intro. Awesome. What are you well, if I'm about? reading it, I, you know, I feel like I've been trained well to read properly. But one day I want to have the like... You know, I do. Yes. I understand. I, yeah. I, I she understands. It. She lives. I don't have it so. either. So yeah. my husband has it. I don't. You know, what? it's just committed to imperfect action. That's Absolutely. I, mean. I don't care because I think, you know, what? if I let that be the reason I don't do this, right. which in the past, it would have been enough. Yes. Then I think, gosh, how many other things will I just not do in my life if something as simple as the first two minutes keep mm-hmm. me out of the game, you know? Yes. yes. And we I don't do. really want to be that way. That's right. Uh-huh. And we do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so the first thing I was thinking about when I was researching you guys is it sounds to me like the thing you've done so the biggest success I can call from what I've read is that you really succeeded at building a life around what really matters. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you can speak to that at a time where like families feel less potent than ever. People are more disconnected than ever. How have you guys managed to create a life of that many moving parts that still centers from family? Maybe you can hit I that I can one hit first. that one. I like, I love the family questions because that to me is like, my passion. I I love family and what I've experienced all these many years that we've been married, 20 20 plus, I'll just go there (laughs) because I never remember. (laughs) It's that painful, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Is I I kept what was important first. And I think that's what we, we kind of forget sometimes and we go off on a different direction and we don't put what our priorities first. And I think a lot of the times, unfortunately, that's what happens in families is that they have their family, but they go off in a different direction and they get a little bit confused on what is important. And for me, it was making those decisions, those life decisions. I wanted to stay home from when, as far back as I can remember, teenage years, I, I actually wanted a family and I wanted to stay home and raise them. And that to me was my goal. And I think I stuck with it. So I could spend the next 45 minutes talking about this. And I'd love to to talk about business. So I'll intertwine that she's the relationship, I'm the business. But ultimately- I figured we could have 45-minute conversation about 10 different topics I wrote down. But I've been uh, introduced to a gentleman named Rick Sapio a couple of years ago. And his vision and his value-based decision-making and his thought process truly aligned with what we were doing. We didn't know about it. So we created a company called the 100 Year Real Estate Investor. When you think about 100 years, when you're going to do something, you're going to commit to something, you don't commit to it for a day, a week, a month, a year. If you want to be a successful entrepreneur, if you want to raise six kids successfully, it's not going to happen in a week or a month or a year. You need to think out five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years out. What me and my wife are doing today 
is going to affect my grandchildren. So if you think in those terms, wow. you're not thinking about what I'm going to get done today. You're going to be thinking about the long term. So the 100 year real estate investor, the 100 year mindset is what any successful person on this planet should be adopting because you're not worried about what happens. Think of yourself as the farmer. You're planting the seed. When you plant a seed, you don't expect that crop to grow for at least another 60, 90, 120 days. And that's an analogy for life. My parents were both immigrants from Italy. I'm a simple person. I love farming. Plant the seed. You need to water the seed. You need to weed the ground. You need to put fertilizer in it. You need to nurture it. You need to pray to God that it doesn't hail. You need great weather. And then after all that long-term planning, that long-term work, what you get, you hope you get a good harvest. You hope you get a good yield. And that is all about long-term planning, long-term thinking. And it's really about growth also, because you're getting better. Every season, you're getting better as a farmer. That first crop is not so great. The second one is better. The third one is better. We don't adopt that mindset. And we, if we go short-term, after that first or second failure, you're going to give up. But if you think about it in those terms of long-term, you won't give up because you know you'll get better. I hope you weren't talking about the kids being the first. No, <laughs> it's no, almost not. like that first kid where no. we're, we're practicing no. on. We're trying to figure it out. No. no, no, you know what I mean? Because it is true. We do things, especially as a, a new mom, we, we, don't, we don't have a guide as a, as a mom, we, here's your baby. Okay. Thank you. Good luck. We didn't even know you were no, a farmer no. until right. this, while they handed exactly. this. Yes. You're like, oh, I'm going to have a seed. Right. So we have to figure yes, it out. I'm a farmer. Out. Yes. <laughs> That's right. We have to figure it out as we go. And we make so many mistakes. And you could sit and dwell on all those mistakes and say, this isn't for me. I'm not good. I'm a terrible mom. I'm a terrible wife. I mess up all the time. Or you can say, okay, here I am messing up. What can I change? And that's where we have that, that mindset switch from being always negative to what can I, what's working well? If something's not working well, what am I going to do about it? Because we, we get to change if we want to. And a lot of people don't think that they're able to change and you are, you know, I, I love my, I have older kids now and I actually can ask them, you know, how did I mess up when you guys were little? And I do get answers and we laugh about it and we talk about it. And I think that open communication is so helpful. Mm-hmm. But in order to have that open communication, you've got to really have already established the groundwork for that, yes. right? Absolutely. And that is part of that long-term. Although, Gina, I could feel in my body when you were talking about a hundred-year commitment, like that my inner ADD was like, <laughs> I can't even commit to next Tuesday, <laughs> right? And sometimes that's for, for fear reasons. Sometimes that's for not knowing what to be committed to. But what do you say to people who are like, I don't know if I'm a farmer, so I'm so scared I'm going to plant the wrong seed. And especially if I'm supposed to plant it for like, it's got to matter for a hundred years, like then I really don't want to plant the wrong one. And like, what if I'm not a farmer to begin with? And right. How does, how do the, how do we take the pressure off that reality yes. so that it can be about creating meaningful legacy instead of like, <gasps> to me, it comes down to personal development and investing in yourself. Uh, I went to life coaching school for that reason, mm-hmm. not to be able to teach others. That was the ancillary benefit. But right. what is my why? My, I found out my, what my why was in my early 40s. It took me a while to figure that out. And for everybody out there, go get a life coach. Go sit down with somebody mm-hmm. and figure out not only what your goals are, what your values are so you can align your values with your goals and figure out what your long-term is. For me, my long-term is to create legacy wealth. My long-term is also to create skills that my kids can learn. Because right, we can pass down generational wealth, but I want to pass on generational skills so my kids can get those skills and replicate those skills and learn how to make money or learn how to you know have a relationship. So for everybody out there, focus on what your why is. People don't lack the motivation. They lack clarity. If you don't have clarity, right. you're not going to get the next Tuesday. So the first right. thing is to sit down with your significant other or sit down by yourself, fill out some life question, life coaching questions. And those are the hardest because you actually have to do work. It's right. soul searching. You're not going to lie to yourself. Be honest with yourself. And you're not going to like a lot of the answers. I didn't like a lot of the answers when I started putting them down seven, eight, 10 years ago, because mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. And it's okay what you're not sure. I have a couple of coaching clients that have come back to me and said, you know, I don't know what the questions are that I should be asking mm-hmm. myself. You know, because like, mm-hmm. to me, I ask myself thought-provoking questions all my life, right? Mm-hmm. It's part of part of my challenge in life. Mm-hmm. But for other people, that sort of self-inquiry doesn't come naturally to them. I've learned. So they need somebody. Right? That's, why, that's why the accountability piece mm-hmm. is important. That's why a and don't let your spouse do it because she mm-hmm. can't be detached. 
because she's right. rooting for me. So mm-hmm. get somebody. And also very important. It's a pay to play system, because mm-hmm. if you don't invest in it, you know, you're not going to take it seriously. You're not going to listen to Robin, right? Mm-hmm. If Robin's giving me free advice, not really a big deal. But if I'm paying a thousand bucks an hour to speak to Robin, guess mm-hmm. what? I'm listening to every word that Robin tells me mm-hmm. and I'm going to execute. And on next week's call, I'm going to be prepared because I paid for that call and I don't want to let Robin down. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing this with my wife, hey, Joel, we have a podcast tomorrow. Can't make it. That's okay. I can let her down. She can let me down. Mm-hmm. But if you're working with somebody, you're not going to let them down. And I've gone right. through this countless times with other coaching students that we have. It's important, that accountability piece. You know, you had mentioned the what if and in the negative sense. And I, and I always like people to switch that around. The what if it goes well, because most of the time mm. it does, right? And the thing is, what if you miss out on something amazing? What if you miss out on, you know, a, a family? We had no intention of having six children. You know what I mean? So I could have thought all that. What if we have a big family? Oh my gosh, what if we didn't? Do you know what I'm saying? And so why don't we switch it to something positive? What if we miss out on that? Because everyone out in the world is missing out on us by not stepping out. And you know what I mean? Because we all have something different to offer. And our children out there are are those next generations. They're going to be out in the world. So we're raising them. So our being a mom is more important than we could ever imagine because we are guiding them in life and they're going to be out making a difference. So true. Well, can you guys start at the beginning? Like, let's go back to, there was a restaurant at some point, right? That started this all off. Did you guys make the conscious choice to homeschool your children from the beginning? Was like, like take us back to the beginning. Yeah, we were so different. I just want to tell you, when we think about our our younger self, we kind of cringe a little bit and we're like, oh my gosh, let's just but isn't that pretend that didn't happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Evidence of the growth, right? Yes. We were both very, in a sense, selfish. Of course, you're coming from, you know, everything's for about you into, a, into a, a, a marriage. And that, I think, in itself is really difficult in marriage is that you're all about yourself and now it's all about us. So that was a little challenging. Um, we came from completely different backgrounds. He had the Italian background, you know, I had more of the Irish side. <laughs> it was very different, but in a sense, it was the same. And we met and I honestly didn't think that we would mix because we came from different backgrounds and how would our families get along and, you know, but it worked out. I mean, it worked out. And that's the, the moment where you're like, but what if we miss out? And, and I so- hear you're an amazing cook of all things. <laughs> So to Robin, I just want to say that I Robin's did learn. Question. I did learn a lot from his dad. <laughs> from Let his me father. answer Robin's question. We her, have a lot her, of yeah. Her question was the homeschooling. Oh, the homeschooling. So when we started out 20, 20 years ago, homeschooling, it was not what it is today. Yes. We are the weird people. She's had four kids at home. She's birthed four children at home. Now that's the, all the rage. And when I first started it, I think I exhibited the growth mindset. I was I didn't have a fixed mindset because I said, you know what, let's try it. You know what's the worst? Well, thing that, that's not how it went, but that sounds nice. But <laughs> but, but, but you also had you had a pizza restaurant at the time, right? Or an yes, Italian yes. restaurant at the time? Yes, Italian yes, restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so for that, and and it was challenging for me because I have a lot of public school teachers coming in, mm-hmm. and they're asking, "Where do your kids go to school? Well, homeschool? <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult. It's very challenging. A lot of pressure, societal pressure. Well, mm-hmm. your kids need to be you know, kids. Kids need to be in society. They need to socialize. No one's asking about the education, which is really the important part. Agreed. Which mm-hmm. is crazy. So for me, it was very difficult and a lot of pressure. And I still said, you know what? We'll try it. What's the worst thing that can happen? If it doesn't work out, we'll send them to school. But, you know, 20 years later, we're still doing it. We love it. And that was the first, I think, part time in my life when I said, I can try something. And if it doesn't work out, we can always change. That that was a big learning lesson. Then I said, But it's interesting you took that risk on your, given it was your kids. But most people are like, they don't even want to trade in their old car in case. (laughs) You know know what I mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. You know, it's one of those moments where, especially back then, but like I said, now is different. Now it's kind of a cool thing to homeschool, I guess. But back then it was very secretive and it was very hush hush almost. It was very interesting, but it takes a lot of courage to do it, especially back then because you are the outcast Mm -hmm. and people are questioning you. And yes, people are like, but your kids are not gonna learn socialization. They're not gonna learn how to do this. And so it is a risk almost. And I remember feeling that way. Like, what if I am messing my kids up? What if I am 
um, you know, not allowing them to be social. I, you know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of questions and I had them for years and I had them up until my daughter graduated high school. We still do. <laughs> we still struggle. I don't have them anymore. But that's when she, parenting, when she graduated. Absolutely. Yeah. And yes. I think that's, that's important is that as a parent, we're teaching our, our children and ourselves, we're kind of proving it to ourselves that we are courageous and we can kind of try a new path if that's what's best for the family. Cause it was best for our family at the mm -hmm. time. He had worked all the time. He worked nighttime. So he was only home for dinner a couple, couple nights a week. Mm -hmm. So th there was a lot of missing out on dad. So one mm -hmm. of the things that homeschool did for us was allow us to do things together. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, when we were younger, my ex-husband used to run a nature education program mm -hmm. in Maine and um, and most of the people at the beginning were homeschool families. So we go deep with homeschooling and it's been interesting to watch it rise. And it's been interesting for me in the pandemic to listen to people talk about homeschooling. I'm like, that's not homeschooling. Like yes. for anybody listening who's public schooling at home, let me yes. be clear. Let me state this for the record. It is not homeschooling. Very different. Very it's not, different. It's yes. no, no, it's no shame, no fault, no whatever, no, no better, no worse, but not the same. Right. 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 Just a different animal. There's, there's no Zoom calls. It's no. like, Sophia, here's a book. Go read the book. If you have any questions, let me know. See, you. have a great day. You know, and then go make lunch. I'm going to go do a little bit of laundry. And that, that's what homeschooling is. Are you being me right there? I am being oh, you right okay. there. Yes. I've never done laundry. I'm not doing laundry. Come on. But but honestly, that, that's what it's about. It's about, it, it, I think, school nowadays. I mean, we can go down this rabbit hole. It's, but a, whole, I, it's a sacrifice. It really is. It's a sacrifice on the parents because yes. we I miss sure. out on a lot of things I mean I whole careers uh, being out going out we my husband and I didn't go out a lot right. we had little I babies stayed home with my kids yeah. until they were uh yeah till they were a little Huge bit older sacrifice. too and it, it's mm -hmm. you really do recognize especially as women mm -hmm. I'll say like it's mm -hmm. it's an impact on our careers mm -hmm. uh for the short term for sure yeah absolutely so so when you talk about impact on your careers some some women they they get into the career world and then they have the choice and there's nothing wrong with staying home or having right. a career just be clear on it yes. that's that's the thing when we're not clear on it mm -hmm. and it's tough nowadays because society expects women to go to college graduate and they get the high power career and then then, then they feel torn you whatever yeah. me, whatever your values align with if you want to have a family and stay home and have a family that's fine we had a Delay lot of that. we had a lot of homeschool families uh that were doctors and they were had a very successful career, careers, mm -hmm. and they ended up leaving it to homeschool. And I just, well, that is amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is amazing. But they did. They eventually figured that that was their passion, and that's what they wanted to do. And they took that road. And I just well, give those people su super credit. Well, and it sounds like just more clarity around yes. doing what matters and having right. your values and your priorities mm -hmm. really well mapped out. Mm -hmm. How do you recommend for people who have no idea? Like for right now, I, I, I keep thinking of two camps of people and I'm sure there's millions mm -hmm. in between, right? Mm -hmm. But I keep thinking about those who have kind of like really just got their ass handed to them in this recent mm -hmm. times, right? And they're yeah. like, how, now what, right? Like, ugh, now what? And, and for those people, there's sort of one approach. And then for the people who are actually really excited to like, okay, like I've had some time to be with what is here and like, I'm ready. I really am like ready to go create. Like, what do you have for those people? Well, the people that are ready, take a step, do something, you know, because a lot of us have these ideas. We even write them down. We have this plan and we don't do anything, right? And I know you're a coach, Robin, and so you could relate to this. Do something, you know what I mean? Take Anything. an actual step. Even if it's a tiny little step, you start, start the momentum, keep going. And I think that that's all it takes for those people. The people that don't know anything right now, they're not sure which direction they want to, they want to go. What are your values? That was what we were talking about a little bit before is the values are so important. Are we living according to them? You know, we, we talk a lot about values on the multifamily zone and sometimes we know what they are but we don't live according to them. It's almost like a disconnect between what we believe and how we live. So if we can start- it's like church that you only go on Easter <laughs> yes, and Christmas. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if we can just start living the life according to our values, we've already started something. And for me, the, the people who are stuck and don't know where to go, the first thing I would recommend everybody to do 
is to shut off the TV, to <laughs> shut off the news, and start putting positive into your mind. That sounds crazy. I was just talking to a student about an hour ago, and I'm reflecting back um, from the years 2008 to 2016, probably the biggest impact of my life as far as personal development and growth. And I always joke about this. President Obama got elected. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a conservative. The best eight years of my life. What did I do? I shut off all that noise because it can't really affect me, right? That's an external block. Our blocks are internal. They're in our mind, 95% of them. They're called energy blocks. Our limiting beliefs, our inner critics. I was... I was always looking at that and making that as an excuse. Once that happened, I didn't blame the economy. I didn't blame the president. I didn't blame COVID. I became a 100% responsibility mm. junkie. Mm. Once you can take responsibility right. for your life, we're all dealt crappy hands. Hey, listen, I was, in, I was in New York during the Great Recession in 2008. My restaurant almost went under. Once I realized that there's other people out there making millions of dollars and having impact. How are they doing it? Once I became responsible for that, I can start setting a plan. I think fear, if you can acknowledge that fear holds you back and cripples you. The first thing that I did is I got angry about my situation. Anger really motivates you and inspires you to take action. If you're afraid, you're not going to acknowledge. I was afraid in the beginning. I didn't know what to do. I didn't. I wanted to have impact on my children. I didn't want to see my have my kids see me come home and be tired and be angry from work. Mm -hmm. I didn't want them to make that connection. So I said, what do I need to do? Then I got angry about my situation. And then I started taking action and started listening to Zig Ziglar and mm. Jim Rome right. and Norman Vincent Peale and Tony Robbins and uh, Napoleon And all of Hill. that you can do for free. Like all yes, of that you absolutely. can do, right? Like when people right. say to me, like, look, I don't know. I'm like, you have no excuse right now. Like mm. in 2021, uh, you got YouTube, even if you have to listen to the ads, yep. you can listen to five minute right. ad of ads, yes. if, you know? Like yeah. you can. And Audible. You yeah. have Audible. There's yeah. so many, right. so many different yeah. places where you can and get And now that you have the summary of the book. You can yes. even you can even get <laughs> you don't even 20 need to minutes. Read you it. don't even have to read yes. the whole book. Yes. You know, yes. Eugenio mentioned responsibility. And I I do love this because to take responsibility of your own life is is a huge um, it's a huge decision. And it's something that we decide. And once we take responsibility, for everything going on in our personal life that we can control, we stop blaming everything and we stop blaming everyone and we take action steps like we talked about. I, I love that because it's not anyone else's fault that I'm here right now doing something. It's my fault and I'm going to change something if I want to. So Julie's really talked about the seven or six, seven levels of energy, however you want to talk about them. When you're in a, in a, in a catabolic state, you're at level one or level two. You're either a victim or you're angry. And, and you, you say, want... what's catabolic mean? Catabolic is a negative draining energy, oh, right? That's what okay. you're talking about. You're, you're, and when you're a victim- it's like stagnation. Yes, you have uh -huh. no solutions. And I'm not saying being a victim is good or bad because if let's say sure. you lost Just somebody, state you, of being. you're grieving, yeah. exactly. Right, right. But acknowledge or realize that you're there. And then say, I, I need to be here for a little while. I lost my job. I lost a friend. I lost a loved one. Be there. But the problem is most people wallow there for the next 20 years. And then what ends up happening is they start attracting other people who are victims. Mm -hmm. And that is really ironic to me. I never looked at it that way. But then as you start moving up from a catabolic negative draining energy to an anabolic where you're really positive, you're really happy getting off a coaching call with Robin, they're really jazzed up. You've raised a level of energy. They can see the possibilities. You want to be in that state as much as possible, right. but most of us don't realize that. And most of us, more importantly, what Covey talks about, Stephen Covey, you have the stimulus and you have the response. Mm. The word triggered, it just annoys the crap out of me nowadays. We're not animals. We, we, can, we can control how we get stimulated and our response to it. How do you respond to it? The ability to respond is crucial in becoming successful. So if you can understand that as well, that will really help your life. It's huge. I've had um, a couple of conversations with mindfulness experts. Ah. And, and part of what was important to me about this series was, um, you know, everybody keeps talking about like, what's next? What's next? And I think what's next is really important. Uh -huh. But I think that when we step over what's here, yes. we really, really make the mistake of then like destabilizing our own foundation mm -hmm. before we even move forward, right? Because mm -hmm. part of personal growth for me has been the, the willingness and the ability and like, frankly, the expansion of faith to be able to sit in the presence of what mm -hmm. is, even when that thing feels like it's going to kill me, yes. mm -hmm. right? So, yes. and then that lesson of learning how long to stay there, mm -hmm. because yes. that alone, it's like how to be with it 
how long to be with it because some people live a whole lifetime in it. Some people mm-hmm. pick up the stick and beat themselves to death with it forever. Mm-hmm. And other people can't be with it for a split second and hot potato it and like they're on to what's next, right? Mm-hmm. So that feels like an important part. And then there's the emergence. Mm-hmm. So that, that's important that you say mm-hmm. that because that 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 triggered a thought for me. What you said was don't step over what's here for what's next. I think everyone should write that down. Don't step over what's here for what's next. Live in it. And there's always a way to learn from the pain. You can learn from being a victim. There's always lessons from that. You don't want to stay there too long. You just want to realize, hey, I'm being there too long. What is next for me? It's okay to stay there, but be mindful and start planning on what that next step yeah. is. I mean, we're always, we're all, always living right now. We're not living in the future. We're not living in the past. And that's important to remember is what can I do right now? How can I, how can I avoid being so down on me? Because there's so many people out there and I was one of them, you know, I'm, you know, you, you kind of hold on to your past, you hold on to your mistakes and that becomes you and that's right. your worth, you know, and that is so not true. And it's so important to, first of all, like Gina was talking about being around people that do lift you up, that are honest with you that are not, you know, not lying to you saying, oh no, everything's fine. No, being being able to talk to someone that could actually help you through a situation instead of mm-hmm. keeping you down. That's so important. But just yeah. to be aware of where you are and where you want to go. Yeah, because we all what, like get to be exactly, you know, everything about what got us to where we are still is true, right? Absolutely. Like none of it goes yes, anywhere, right? No. Like, but making the conscious choice to not carry it forward. Yes. There's nobody, there's no one out there that can do it for you. Well, most of the right? time, like though, nobody like, you yeah, know, when you're having the baby and you're like, if I could outsource this, I would <laughs> like, I really, really would. But like, there's no, there's nobody but me. Yes. And there's will- really sort of, um, there's really kind of a power and a surrender in that realization, right? Completely. Like there's nobody coming to save you. Right. Yes. <laughs> thank you God. Have to power and thank through God. It. Yes. Right? And thank God they're not coming to well, save you. Well, childbirth. I mean, we've, right? we've, that's where we get our superpower from. You know, we got to go true. through it. We got to go through the hard times in order to get, you know, you think of an old wise man, he's gone through a lot and that's why he's old and wise because he's gone through life. And that's where we, get our, our, our wisdom. That's where we get our courage is from dealing with difficult times in our life Mm -hmm. and being able to get up every time and move forward and to change if we choose to change the outcome next time. And that's really, if we're doing the same mistake over and over again, we have to say, okay, what am I doing wrong? What can I do different next time? And here's what I will do when it comes up. We have to talk, you know, write this down and make a a plan for the future. Right. Well, can you share with the listener a little bit, like, Let's go back and tell them a little more about how you guys know this. Like, where did, how did you go from a restaurant and homeschooling? Like, cause when uh-huh. I think about I having you. six no. children, like yeah. I have two children that I've had half the time yeah. and that's been plenty. I get you it. You know what I mean? And I do. And, and I think I wasn't wired maybe for like amplitudes of children and lots of moving parts with things. Right. But I love it when I, when I see other people in deep community with their families, I have such a reverence for what that, but you have like a micro community built in, yeah. you know, but tell people it's like, so you're in a restaurant and you're homeschooling yes. six kids. Like nobody who hears that is in any way being like, well, then I bet then he'll go on to do like, no one's yeah. thinking your trajectory is about to happen. It's really comes down to my friend, Rick Sapio talked about simplicity, probability, and leverage. We kept life simple. We had two cars, we had one house, we had no pets, and we, we kept it pretty simple. I mean, I've got enough money to buy 15 cars now, three. I have one house, I have three, four cars because two of my kids are driving, but I really keep it simple and I really prioritize. And that I think is part of what has helped us. Now, as you keep adding six kids, you don't have six kids in the beginning. You have one and you have a second, <laughs> then you have a third. So you're starting to learn as you're growing. And that, that's really, really important. Don't get overwhelmed by you know somebody who's been doing this for years. It's the same thing I'm going to get into, into real estate investing. Mm, People thing. get stuck with real estate investing. They're like, well, how do I buy this third property when they haven't even bought their first property? You're going to learn from all the mistakes you make. You're going to grow from that mistake. So for us, starting out, we had that restaurant. I had the vision. I was in business for many years. I made a lot of mistakes. And then I met Adam, as you know, Adam Mitchell. And he taught me about this thing called the internet and YouTube (laughs) and doing videos and sourcing physical products and creating a landing page on Kajabi and doing videos. 
And I created a company called Gino's Family. Well, that failed. We didn't continue with that. But then I started Jake and Gino. And I had the skill set that he had taught me from Gino's Family. And I felt a little bit more comfortable on camera. And I learned how to do videos on real estate. And I started a podcast. And then I wrote a book. It's like all of these little but like steps. like 10,000 little steps in between. Yes. 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 And, yes. and the thing with is, With all too, the blooper reels to prove Oh, it. of course. Oh, and the thing is, when we first started having children, you know, one of the things that we shared, we did not share communication. That was the one thing that we did not share. And, but what we did share was trust that I trusted him to work his butt off to support us. Mm -hmm. And I was going to support him. And he also trusted that I would take care of the family. And I think that's right there is really, really important that maybe a lot of people lack is the trust in the other person and to allow them to do their job and to do what they want, what they're trying to accomplish, but you're doing it together as a family. Now we, you know, like I said, our communication was terrible. It was so bad. We were married probably 15 years before he started going to life coaching school. And I guess they did a, they must've done a, a lesson on listening <laughs> because he literally came home and sat with me. I just had our fifth child and he asked me a question and he just sat there looking at me and I was so uncomfortable. And you're like, like, do you what? have the flu? What's wrong? What is happening? You know? And he's like, oh no, I'm just listening. And I was, I just couldn't answer the questions because it was so like deep and personal. And I'm like, I don't know where to go here. But like, so that's my point is that you were always, we didn't just get married and have this perfect relationship. We struggled for a long time, especially that communication. When that's Thank not you, there, that's valuable for people pretty, to hear. Yeah, you know? it's, it's easy to look at the A no, roll and be yes. like, "Wow, look no, how right." Absolutely not. So that was our biggest struggle, and so we almost lived like kind of like parallel lives, where he worked and I was home. And I think when we really started connecting, when I would see him come home from the restaurant, just burnt out, exhausted. And didn't want to do it anymore, but didn't know where to go. And so that's where this, and again, we were married for a very long time. And that's where the spouse communication and the support really kicks in is we have to be there. For, they're, they're looking for us. Our husbands are looking for us for support because where else are they going to go? And Julie, I think the other thing was we never were adversarial it's not like i'm trying to compete with you we're on the, you're on the same on the team same as your spouse yes. we're on the same page we're yeah. trying to but only if you know something. that you are because you've yes. been brave enough to communicate right. about what you yes. each care yes. about yes, yes. the okay. communication yes. when i talk to couples that is the number one thing we talk about because most of the time they'll say something and the other spouse will be like i didn't know you th thought that because you know you know it was a basic something right. basic talk sometimes to i live with strangers yes and we did and i want everyone to know that that was us and it was that communication that changed that changed our relationship. It's funny because I, I like to, um, I have this little process before I interview people and I like to just sort of download things. And at one point I wrote cooperation, commitment, compromise, communication, and Christ. Because uh, I feel like those five things really yes. represent what yes. you built a life 100%. around. You know, when you mentioned, I, I, for, for us, God comes first always. And after God, my husband comes and then the children and then life. And I, I think if you put things in that order, you make, you make the right decisions because that's mm -hmm. when we're talking about living according to values. Mm -hmm. um, because if we're not, where are we going? We're going to be just going in circles. It's so important to find your values, list them out and actually take steps toward each one of them. How often do you guys see people using their children as buffers between each yeah. other? You know, that's something I feel yeah. like as a, I've been a photographer for a very long mm -hmm. time. So part of my spiel is I just see people, right? So I've been witnessing things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I, and I experienced that in my own marriage, which is partly where it fell apart, I'm sure, mm -hmm. is I love the idea of putting each other ahead of mm -hmm. what you create together, yes. even though those are your children and we yeah. give our lives for them. There's mm -hmm. something about the kids coming second yes. past the relationship that feels like a paradigm shift for where we are in our culture right now. That's actually something that I was taught from a very early age that the kids come first. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know until recently that that wasn't true. And I know that, so, so a lot of parents, that sounds terrible. Most Where's of my us kids? are taught that, Most right? of us, yeah. yes. And I didn't know what that the, meant. At least in America. Yes, that's true. And I didn't know what that meant until you know, we started going to coaching school and all. And I was like, wait a second. The best gift we can give our kids is to have a good marriage because they are 
watching us. They're going to go out in the world and marry someone just like dad. We have five daughters and <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And those, those boys better treat our daughters well. <laughs> so that's right. a big deal. So yeah. my husband has a huge responsibility on treating their mother with respect. It's very, it's more important than we think. Right. So when we moved down to Florida back in 2017, the biggest objection that I heard people say is, well, my kids are in high school. I'm going to take them from their friends. And I'm thinking, really? That's what you're worried about? I'm worried about getting out of this hellhole cold New York, my future. I want to get out of this place. And man, was I a smart person to do that? Luckiest thing, best thing that ever happened to me and my family moving from New York to Florida, considering that restaurants were closed for the last year in the pandemic. And people were putting their children at school ahead of their relationship. And if I had done that, I would still be in New York. I'd probably be unemployed right now. Mm -hmm. My children would not be happy. Bring them down here. Was it difficult for in the beginning? Absolutely. The oldest one loved it. The youngest one loved it. My son, second one loved it. The kids in the middle, they suffered for a year. Not suffered, but they struggled because well, their it's friends okay were up there. Yeah. But long-term, they all love it. They would never see anything else. And it was came from a place of, I need this. Well, I need to have this separation from, from New York and from my family. I need the separation from the business. And I needed to come down here. And once again, what's the worst thing that can happen? If we fail down here, I can pack my bags, go back up to New York and try to open up. One, of, one of the things that we talked about with the kids, where I actually talked, because because like I said, he was at the restaurant. He was, he was leaving. He came home from work that day. And he's like, Julie, I have to sell the restaurant. What if we move to Florida? And all these thoughts in my head was like, everyone we ever knew is here. Our family is here. Every, our life is here. We're going to somewhere we don't completely knew. We have no, we don't know anybody. And I sat there and thought, my gosh, but this is what he needs. And so I said, yes, I said, let's go. And in the conversation with our kids, it was really a challenge with them because they knew. And I said, you know, listen, your dad needs this. I said, we're going to do this for dad. And they couldn't say anything because they yeah. saw him as well. They saw him suffer. They saw him have a really difficult time. And I think that's important for the for the kids to, to know that as his wife, I was putting him first, even though it was going to be difficult for them. And I told them that. I said, it's going to be difficult for all of us. And we all suffered a little bit. Yeah. And I think, again, that's good for us. But that's also family. Yes. Right. That's it's, it's it, and I say family loosely with like who, whether it's your family of origin or your family of choice. Right. Yes. Like when we when we benefit from the group, then we also compromise mm -hmm. on behalf of the group. And mm -hmm. I think in our culture, like I wasn't raised that way. Like mm -hmm. I came from a family that was very much like whenever we fought, was everybody rushed to your own corner of the house, mm. deal with it and come back when you could pretend like nothing ever happened. Yes. And we're not going to talk about it. Yes. We're not going to address it. We're not right. going to heal from it. We're yes. not going to learn how to manage conflict right. or recover or forgive. Mm -hmm. Even though my dad was a preacher. I mean, let's not, let's not practice <laughs> forgiveness collectively. Right. And I think that these are skills that a lot of us mm -hmm. don't have. But when you have a large family, there's yeah. a part of it that's either kind of forced or mm -hmm. the whole thing seems to implode. Right. right. Like, yes. I feel like I only know two big kinds of families, yes. like the ones that really seem to mm -hmm. work and the ones where nobody talks. there's not enough yes. therapy in the world. Right. Kinda. And I I grew up in that family, not in my own personal, but I extended all the Irish family. None of them talk anymore. And where everyone was close and pretending like everything was okay. And so when now when we talk to, to our children, that's something, a huge lesson that we talk about quite often is if you have a disagreement with your sibling or anybody, take care of it. Talk yeah. about it. Don't just pretend that everything's fine because it's not. Yeah. And that, that goes into their adulthood. And unfortunately, the majority of people do that now. But the majority of people who have kids haven't necessarily done the self-development work Yes. to be able to tell their kid, to encourage their children to do things yes. they, they have yet to do for themselves. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. So because if you're not crucial. busy, if you're not having an honest conversation with your partner, it's right. very difficult to ask your child to have an honest one with their sibling. If you're mm -hmm. not, if you're not in that game. Yeah, mm -hmm. true. No. And that's why, that's why when I talk to people that the most important to do thing to do is to work on your relationship, work on that, your, your spousal relationship, and then together work on in the family with the children. And how do you manage that in the day to day when mm -hmm. given, given just how many things like Gino, it's not like you just like run a bank branch office. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have a rather large career. So like yeah. what, how do you manage the moving parts? And even how did you even do that with a restaurant? But like, mm -hmm. how do you raise kids, homeschool them and 
create an empire the way well, you Well, part of the thing is you have to really give up other things. I don't have tons of friends. I don't go out and play golf for six hours on a Sunday. I don't go drinking Friday nights. I have to choose. We can't have it all. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could. That's I wish I could tell point. you. I'm here, I'm here to, to, to tell you, I would love to go golfing. Just can't do it. I'd love to go to the gun range once a week, mm-hmm. shoot guns. I go maybe once a month if I'm lucky. But now I'll take my kids with me. My kids right. always worked at the restaurant. My kids mm-hmm. work in my business now. So they're around that. They hear the vernacular all the time. We just did an event this past weekend in Knoxville. They were there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They were there all weekend with us, selling swag, talking to the students and, and hanging out and having a great time. That's how I, I, I allow to do that. And, you know, when you, when you create your own hours, you can steal away an hour here and there and hang out with them. Mm-hmm. You can create your own time. Time, but I think just uh, with the, re- the restaurant was hard because that was mm-hmm. the reason why I got out of it, Robin, is I worked on the weekends. I worked mm. during the holidays. It was a big sacrifice. Well, I never, ever, I never got into wedding stuff. Oh. Back in the day, people were like, why I, would you do weddings? It's so much more lucrative. And I said, yeah. I have children. Yeah. And on the yes. weekend, they're going to have a thing called the lacrosse game or mm. like they're going to want to snuggle in the morning. Yes. Right. And I'm not giving that up for somebody else's big day. So, so that's what you did. You sacrificed, right? You made yeah. that was your value. So that we have it. to choose values. And for me, I could go out every weekend and go to a speaking arrangement mm-hmm. and go to these live events and all. But that's that's not that would conflict with my value. I may become an amazing speaker. I may be making lucrative amounts of money, but it, it doesn't align with my with my you know family beliefs. And that's mm-hmm. why I got out of the restaurant not to do that. Am I getting into this business mm-hmm. to continue to do it in this business? So yeah. she really well, hammered me in the beginning to do that. She's like, you better not. I'm like, okay, I won't. <laughs> well, it's important. Like family time obviously is a huge deal. You're leaving the restaurant now. You have another company. And it's very tempting to Mm. say yes to everything that people ask you to do. Yes, we do go with him, but that is a struggle in itself. Majority of kids hate it. They just think (laughs) it's the worst day of their lives because it's so painfully boring. But you know what I mean? We go as a family. And Mm. I think that's important. Yes, things are boring. Yes, things are not fun. But Mm. we're doing it together. We're doing it together. You know, there's a lot of things that my kids want to do. And they want to do every sport, every activity. And I find things that they could do together. A lot of them aren't happy about it, but there's only one of me to drive them around and I'm not going to kill myself over. And a lot of parents do do something that everyone. So now it's opera. They sing opera every week. They do gymnastics together every week. They play tennis every week. So there's activities where we drive all four of them together. A couple of them are doing film camp now. So they're doing film camp together. So it's not like, okay, baseball field here, lacrosse Mm. there, tennis there. No, all three of you are tennis. We're all doing tennis today. And that is, like I said, it's, it is simplicity. Compromise. Yes, it is. But it also teaches kids. Like I can hear the whining in the back of the car. Like I can hear it. Right. I'm like, why do I have to do it when so-and-so didn't have to? And I'm Yes. Right? Let's but just I, be clear. We have that. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I say that not to like judge your kids, but just no. because I think listeners, it's so easy to just think like, well, for th- oh, well, yes. if I could, if I ask three of my kids to play tennis, I can imagine the risk, you know, you right. can imagine. Of course. But I think it's part of having that deeper commitment to the hundred year plan of, yes. I want to raise mm-hmm. children that have a certain level of resilience built into them where they Mm -hmm. can be disappointed. They can Mm -hmm. be a little uncomfortable for an hour. Like before all of these cell phones, like somebody, friend of mine was asking how to manage, she's um, chronically late. And she was like, I don't know what to do about being late. And I said, you can hear the perspective as the child who stood in the rain for half Mm -hmm. a life waiting for her mother. And you can know how miserable that is and how Mm -hmm. awful that feels and how, right? And like having the ability to have different perspectives about stuff like this. One of those things about late is we choose to be late purposely. I just want to go there for a second. We do. What you should tell your friend, honestly, (laughs) is you should really paint the picture of them. Like you said, I did. I was miserable. Do you not respect my time? You must really hate me. You must respect my time. Not my time, but everyone's time for being chronically. That is a lack of, and people, if people get that, it's like, wow, I have not. Because down here in Florida, it's, it's really, amazing how five island minutes late, time. 10 minutes late. Island different. Time. Yeah. it's very different yeah it's, but that's well, again one of the things we're teaching our children every time yes. we're late my mom was late to everything as well oh and i, I actually it. hated yeah. it hated right. it so i'm very cautious about it I and mean, i teach mm-hmm. my kids okay yep. if and that was a communication my my our second child or a son started college last year and he was always five minutes just behind and i'm like all right he's like i just can't help it I said, of course of you had why don't, yes, that was his first time he actually had no a bell class. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> so I said, Michael, I said, let's try to come up with a plan. And we sat down and we literally wrote it out and talked about it. 
Never again did he, was he late? Was he five minutes late? It just comes up with making a plan Mm -hmm. and teaching your kids. See, a lot of the times we just yell at them. Don't whine about, we all have to go to tennis together. Don't do this. And we, we don't explain ourselves and we don't sit and actually listen to their view and listen to their thoughts on it. And then have an actual discussion mm-hmm. instead of sometimes we, we, we haven't even taught them the thing. Like I can remember yes. standing in the kitchen with my son and being annoyed by the way he was like unloading the dishwasher. And then I really stood there and thought, you yes. know what? I have not actually ever <laughs> stood here and like taught him how, like, right. I, cause he was yes. capable enough to move things. So I was like, great. Well, now you seem like you can capably right. move things so you can move the dishes. But I never really taught him how to unload the dishwasher and then stood there kind of like, what's wrong with you not unloading the exactly. dishwasher? I was like, oh, that would be my responsibility. <laughs> That's, <right. laughs> That's so that- my point about being so I- late. I never taught Michael how to be right. on time. So right. therefore, see, a lot of the times we get mad at our kids because it's our fault. We didn't teach them. So we're actually mad at ourselves. And if that's the case, do what you just said, Robin, teach. So that's one of those things where you look into into the business world. That's called a system. As as Michael Gerber likes to say, it's this system, stupid, right? We don't teach systems. No, we don't. Especially not if you have ADD and you need like a two-part system, like a micro system. (laughs) But all those little systems teach them. Mm, I mean, teach it and then put it. And it's the same thing when you're dealing with employees or scaling a business. Every facet of your business needs to have a little system. And it doesn't have to be complicated. But once Mm. you figure it out, you put it in there and then you implement it. And then your first son knows it. And then all of a sudden it's somewhere. How to load the dishwasher. The funny part is when we we have a lot of kids. So I feel like I taught the first three everything. And then I forgot. I just assumed yeah. the, the rest of That's them right. knew. So I'm like, what? Didn't we go over this? And they're like, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was 15 so years like, ago. I still don't know how to drive, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to. It's important that we have a sense of humor as well. And I think that's important that the kids see that we mess up and we yeah. come and, you know what, I messed up. And we are honest about it and we apologize and we show them the forgiveness and all of that because they are learning everything from us. And so if we're not teaching it, they're going to learn it from somebody else or they're not going to learn it. And it's on us. We have to start being responsible. Well, it sounds like you guys have like really created a beautiful family culture, right? And I think that a lot of families don't think about that. I mean, I actually see that a lot of businesses having photographed them forever. It's like, Mm -hmm. what's the culture? Like, what Mm -hmm. are you, what do you care about? What matters to you as a company? What matters to you as a family? And when we don't take the time to think about that, it's pretty willy nilly. The funny part is a lot of companies do it. They have a whole right. list of important they goals and values, but would we don't you, have it as a family because like we all forget it. I know, They're baby, called I know. Core values. Core values. And I in know. our business, we have people first, <laughs> extreme ownership, unwavering ethics, make it happen, and growth mindset. But and we pay pay bucks to figure that out, but that's important. Yes. Running a business and running a family are very, very important. Do you have a mm. cadence of accountability? Are you eating dinner at least two, three times a week? Mm. Are you having breakfast? Are mm. you spending time with each child? Mm. These are all rhythms that you have in a business. As entrepreneurs, we do that. Why aren't we doing that in our in our? Because I think nobody life? teaches. Like I think when like when you go into a business, there's mm-hmm. sort of a there's an expectation just because of the ranking, even yeah. that come from co- from corporate culture of like oh right. I'll be entry level, like yes. the hero journey from the mail room to the CEO yeah. is like mm-hmm. it implies there will be like an intellectual advancement along the way. But mm-hmm. family, like w- nobody, we don't have that. There's no guide. There's no culture of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. there's no culture of family progression towards that mm-hmm. you have that's the problem is that we as parents have to create it and we have to sit and actually think about it and talk Especially, about it and, and most of us didn't come from it so no. we're trying to create something we didn't have but that we sort of saw in a movie sure. maybe right mm-hmm. but at the same time we also we do know what is good we do know mm-hmm. what we want in the family naturally mm-hmm. and i think we should go with that you know i yeah. uh, for us well one of the most important things well, not most of the, the most important, but one of the major things was that we did eat together. And that is a big deal. And I remember my nieces would come over, friends would come over like, oh my gosh, we love that you guys all sit down. And that was, I didn't realize what other people miss. It is so important that the family sits at the table and actually is allowed to have a conversation. It's not just the parents telling all the kids what their rules are, what their chores are, and, you know, lecturing. It's conversation. Allow the kids to talk to you. Allow to, to, to let them hear you. Mm-hmm. Give them permission. 
that speaks, I think, to like our larger culture, not really prioritizing mm-hmm. putting family first. Mm-hmm. Because I used to get so annoyed that soccer practice would be at dinner time. I'm like, yes. well, how am I supposed to do great family dinner mm-hmm. if I have to run two kids at, at dinner time in two separate parts of town? Mm-hmm. Right. And like, no harm, no foul, but that's not a community coming yes. together, honoring the structure of family first, because mm-hmm. if we did, we wouldn't put practice at dinner time, right? right? We would put mm-hmm. dinner time at dinner mm-hmm. time and we'd figure out how to get soccer mm-hmm. afterward, like that, around it. That's, and that's one of those examples of living according to values, because in my, in our life, if that happened, we just wouldn't join soccer. You know what I mean? Right. Sometimes it, right. the, the answer is so simple. And right. I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody about yeah. doing soccer during dinner totally. at all, but sometimes right. we just go with the crowd, whatever the world tells us to do. We do. We feel guilty too. I mean, sometimes I do feel guilty that my kids aren't playing a specific sport because we don't have the time to do it. We like have you feel like kids. they missed out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I have that. Feeling. Well, and but you know, what's funny is that. So yes. Oh, see, my kids too. are like, Oh no, mom, thanks for not putting us. <laughs> no, in no, that. I'm like, okay. Yeah, my kid, yeah. my kids were very happily unscheduled. Like that's, we were really like, why would you do that? But right. yeah, yes. we like you know. a slower, yes. we're, we're a slower rolling people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the goal really is when you're raising a family is they want to be home with you. They mm-hmm. don't want to be out somewhere else. You know, our, our daughter's at film camp these couple of weeks, she comes home at nighttime, but she misses being home and she's yeah. 15 years old. And she just, she's like, I just like hanging out with you guys. That's the goal yeah. that they like us. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big deal, you know, yeah. or they like each other. And so to, to build a community at home is more important than we think. So what are we doing about it? Well, because we then have- we're going to send these children who have never had a real sense of community right. into a larger community, right. not knowing how to do anything yes. in that mm-hmm. space. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's never too late. And I want to be clear because mm. we've, I mean, I've messed up for many, many years and my daughter, she's like, don't worry, mom. She's like, I'm okay. I knew what you meant. You know what I mean? She's very yeah. good to us. But it's never too late to fix a relationship, especially in your children, if they're even if they're adults. Right. Open that communication. That's going to be my question. Like, how do you, you know, how do you begin again for for people who feel like, my God, like my family is the opposite of a poster perfect family? What do I do if we've all exploded? You know, how do you do that from that side? And how do you do it, Gino, from the business side where you feel like, really, if you just got your ass handed to you and you're trying Mm -hmm. to reemerge now in some new way? How do you do it? How do you do it on either side? I think in the family aspect, it's a decision and it's a choice of reaching out to the person because a lot of the times, you know, there's, there's a disagreement in the family and it's a split and it's unfortunately too common and nobody talks and it really just takes one person to literally contact the other person and be like, listen, let's talk about this because it's usually a a discommunication that, you know what I mean? It's usually something that we don't even remember what happened but there's like a, a wall up, break down the wall, make that contact with the person, talk about it openly, maybe write down ahead of time, really what you're thinking about it. So you're prepared. I always like to go into a conversation, especially if it's like an emotional one with a little preparation. So you know what you mean, <laughs> you don't get off topic because that's super important, but reach out to them, start forgiving because forgiveness is huge. It's really something that we have to let go of you know, a lot of people think forgiveness is saying that it's okay what happened, but it's really just saying it's not okay, I'm gonna, but I'm going to let it go and I'm going to move on with my life. You're going to matter more than the mistake absolutely. made. Yeah. And I think that's really important, but just make the decision to reconnect. For, for the business world, it's difficult because we get paid based on our skills. It's the bottom line. If you're a teacher and you're teaching 20 kids, you're going to get paid based on that. Can you teach 2000 people? You're going to get paid based on that. So I think the first thing is realizing that you need a certain skill set and a certain skill level, and you need to get better at what you're doing. And I think the other thing is just to become clear on what you want to do. I think to try to adopt the seek to serve mentality in business is, is, is it's, it's, it's not give to get, it's seek to serve nowadays. Read the book by Bob Berg, The Go-Giver. It's a great little parable. It really tells you what you should be doing. We're always looking out for ourselves. I said to my wife a few days ago, when we became quote unquote financially free, I thought it would be totally different. Your bills are paid and this and that, but then all of a sudden you can start helping others. And that's the reality. Right. I'm not worried that's about right. paying the bills. I have enough money to make this month. Maybe I can help two people. And ironically enough, once you start helping people, it'll start coming back to you. 
And the more people you help, the more money you make. And that's very difficult in business because business is all centered upon what we want. I would say to people, learn how to sell in this economy. People don't want to buy. They don't want to sell. They want to, they want to buy. They don't want to be sold. They want, to lo- they want to buy your product, right? And that's the thing. If you can learn how to sell by finding impact together, that's the biggest skill I think that an entrepreneur can have. Learn how to offer your services. And if that person doesn't fit with you, that's fine. Ask them if there's someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think, because, you know, I had that stigma about salespeople, all the used car salesperson out there. That's not true. I mean, they're not, they're, there's a lot of them out there, but find others that you can find impact together. There are people that need life coaching services out there. Sure. Some do, some don't. If they don't, fine. Don't offer it to them because it's not going to, you're not going to actually impact them. Go find somebody that you can impact. Yeah. I wanted to ask you because uh, you have 86,182 meals delivered on, mm. stated on your website. And it seems to me like the through line of your life really is service and generosity mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. community, right? And whether it was yes. like at the restaurant and then mm-hmm. expanded to the children, it just seems like mm-hmm. that that kernel of who the two of you are and what mm-hmm. you created in your family it just now just amplified out into what you offer through the work you do at large. So yeah, that, that tell was- me about these 86,000 meals. We, Jake and I, started about four years ago, Rand Cares. It's just a charitable arm of our companies. We have a, a separate amount of different amount of companies, whether it's a property management, education arm. So we wanted to do something charitable and Jake wanted to feed kids in East Tennessee. So I'm like, okay, let's start working with that initiative. And it was to call the second harvest food bank of East Tennessee. Yeah. We started four years ago and really it takes a team. We started out I didn't know what we wanted to do. The first year, 1,000 meals. Second year, 5,000 meals. But remember planting the seed, the farmer, all of a sudden you get the momentum. Last year, we did our first food drive. And I remember we got about 15,000 meals. This year, in April, we raised another 40,000 meals. So we're at 80,000 meals delivered to date. And it's been a three-year initiative. And, you know, the team members on, on our property manager side really helped us out with that. We have an event October 23rd and 24th at the Gaylord Palms. There's going to be about 600 people there. We're we're inviting them back second harvest. We're going to have them have a booth there. So all the people at that event can you know, can donate to the event and we're going to, yeah. we're going to start our food drive that month for Thanksgiving. So that's how it starts. It starts out with a small initiative. And then you say to yourself, how do you make it grow? It's not, you know, how, who can help you? Cause Jake and I, we only have X amount of bandwidth. We can't work on right. all these initiatives, but we have employees who are really empowered, who want to do that, who want to mm-hmm. help. We're not just there to collect a paycheck, but are looking for community and looking right. to help and expand the community. And, you know, if you can find an employee or someone who can help you out, I mean, it, it really, a lot of the uh, success goes to the team members on, on the, you on know, Jake and Gino's the side. important thing too about charity is that your children are involved mm-hmm. because we, you know, since we, we must have had, I, I guess, two children at the time and we started to go down to Harlem, which is in New York city, not the best area at all. <laughs> it's not the safest place, but we used to go there. There's a religious community that we used to cook for mm-hmm. and they would have their, their, you know, the people come in and we used to serve them food. And we, we did it a couple of times a year, maybe three, four times a year. We do it at Thanksgiving time, uh, 4th of July. And it was absolutely beautiful, but these are really, people have a really difficult time down there and they would come in. And one of, I got the best compliment ever from one of the workers there, he's like, you know, your kids just see them as people. And I, so they are just serving them food. They're cooking food and they're handing in, they're, they're bringing all this food out to the, just mm-hmm. the, you know, and I was just like, wow, I, I, yes, they just see them as people hungry. And I just thought that was amazing. But I just wanted to say that you as parents are showing the kids what we could do in the world. And it's so important that we are the primary example for them and what they are able to do. So important. Um, I also wanted to know what the role of faith has played in who you guys are in this world. Well, as I said, God comes first, but you know, and I, that's really, um, we are, we're Catholic. We are practicing Catholics, I should say. Um, Sunday comes and it's not even a question of if we're going to mass, it's what time are we going? And I think that's important when it becomes, when God becomes a chore and he becomes kind of in the way of the schedule, that's when problems occur. And I think the importance of knowing where you came from and knowing the importance of who God is, 
is our responsibility as parents um, because what else do we have, you know? And if God's not in the family, it's going to break apart. So just, again, teaching them in a loving way and not in a scary way, because that's how a lot of the generations were taught is that God is scary. And that is where we kind of lose people. So that's an important lesson on my kids. It's being hard. It's it's hard being Catholic, being pro-life, being, you know. It doesn't have to be hard, though. Well, I I mean, for the lifestyle. No yeah. birth. We have six kids and no birth control. It's a really <laughs> difficult thing. It's one of those things with our values. Mm-hmm. And we have, we, yeah, yeah. If you want to practice the faith, it can be challenging, but anything in life yeah. that's worth fighting for worth, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult. And for us, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing for us is, you know, at nighttime, we say our prayers with our kids, we sit down and we, and, and we, we spend time with each of them saying prayers and, I love it because we've had, we've raised some great kids. Our daughter is, uh, she's going to do some mission work. She's at life team right now, as we speak, uh, at camp and she's figuring out what her journey is going to be. So it's been, and they teach us about the faith, oh. believe it or not. That's the funny thing. <laughs> they're it. a lot smarter than we are when it comes to the faith. We're just, yeah. we're just there. And they're, 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 they're actually role models for us as well. Cause like mm-hmm. I said, this past weekend, it's Sunday and uh, Saturday night, the event is over at five o'clock. We have to find a place to go to mass at five 30 and they're all stressing out. And I'm like, yeah, if it happens, it happens. And in the back of my mind, if it doesn't happen, God will forgive me, but they, <laughs> they wouldn't put up with that. They're like, we're going. So we all went to mass at five 30, you know, uh-huh. missed a little bit of the list a little bit of the cocktail hour, but it was okay. Well, it's yeah. one of those things too, when we talk about values and you know, there's always right and wrong. And it's not even a question of, are we going to do the wrong thing? Mm-hmm. Of course yeah. we're not, you know? And, and so the kids see that because it's part of our, our life. So it's rhythm. not, yeah, it's not even. And I wow, think that's you, true no matter what faith people have, absolutely, right? So less, less about which faith and really yes. more about just absolutely. having a faith or a code mm-hmm. of, a code of ethics as a yes. family, really. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Absolutely. Yeah. And living them. And actually as the parents living them, that's why I always say it's, if we're living them, that's what they're learning. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Thank you guys so much for sharing all this with me. I really appreciate it. It's super valuable. No, thank it's you. Been Thanks so, for having so, us on. Yeah, thank there, you, um, where can people find more of you guys? I would just say go to the Jake and Gino channel on iTunes. You'll find the multifamily zone there. I mean, if you want to have anything to do with real estate, with business, with coaching, just go to jakeandgino.com. We wrote the book, The Honeybee, the second book. I know you were doing a giveaway. If you read this book, The Honeybee, and we talk about multiple streams of revenue, it's a parable. Your children can read this. They can understand that. And as you were having this conversation, I was thinking about the parallels of creating a business and building it up and then really thinking about how that impacts the family. Because in here, at the end of the story, I won't give it away, but there does come a charitable component to it. You're doing all of this work and you want to leave a legacy. So that's right. important. And as parents, we want to leave legacies and they're called our children. They're mm-hmm. called all the, all the things that we're doing. So just go to jakeandgino.com yeah, and you, check us out there. You can also email me. I love when people send me stories about their oh, life. I, I don't know. That. I just sure, love it. Yeah. So please, anyone out there listening, you want to share something with me, you have a question, you, you want comments. Email address, girl. Julia Barbaro at gmail.com. And we'll put the links in there too. And also just um, say real quick about your your teen program, because that personally for having kids Mm -hmm. 20 and 18, I was really um, impressed that you had an offering just for teens. Yes, we're we're actually, we have the Youth Academy. So the Youth Academy is a financial product, but we're we're switching it over to the Personal Finance Academy because it's it's for young adults. I mean, really talk about finance, talk about education, money, and it's for parents too. What skills can we teach? How do we start the conversation about money and how to be daunting? And there's personal development and there's there's coaching in there as well. So it's really, you know, stuff that we don't learn. It's interesting. I, we, I helped him record it with my, our oldest and I'm like, wow, we learned so much. (laughs) Like, why can't we just bring it down a little bit, make it more simple. So we learn the basics. I don't think I ever learned anything about that in school. So it's really having great they don't learn it in school. No, of course it's not. not. It's no. not what we learn in school, no. which is why it's so important to um, to be rebellious enough to share it yes. other places, right? <laughs> That's right. Yes. Thank you both yes. so much for the work you do in the world and for sharing your story here. I really appreciate it. Thanks Thank for having us on. We appreciate it. Sure. Take care. You've been listening to the Robin Ivy Podcast. I want to thank you for spending this time together today. And if you enjoyed this episode and haven't done so already, 
please subscribe to my show wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, leave me a review. This gets more listeners like you and I to hear the messages my guests share. That would mean so much to me. Last thing, the thoughts and views of each of my guests does not reflect my own personal viewpoints or opinions on topics discussed. This podcast is an open forum for dialogue, kindness, and insightful expression. And this often means looking at life through a new lens. I hope you love today's episode and invite you to join me once again at the table on the Robin Ivy Podcast.